0: Evening church, verse 20, chapter 6, Paul says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. And so that's my key verse and the main verse I'll be talking about tonight. And so I want to title my talk tonight, Guardians of the Deposit. Now before we dig into that, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll send your Holy Spirit to help illuminate what is the deposit for us, why it's so important for us, and why should we guard it. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit just help us understand all that. And in your name we pray, amen. Now, I remember the time when I first got my license, first time I got my license, just passed my learner's test, and I was feeling a bit adventurous. Now, I wanted to go far. I wanted to go to the beach. Now, back in Brisbane, I lived in a suburb in a ghetto town called Inala, and I wanted to go to the Gold Coast. Any of you guys know the Gold Coast? Okay, that's an awesome beach area. And so from Inala to the Gold Coast, the trip would be one hour, now, back in those days, there was no GPS, there was no Google Maps, there was no anything. It, and there's a Refedex, but I don't know how to read a refedex, even though my name is Dex. Uh, but I thought, it's okay. I'm feeling a bit adventurous. As long as I follow my friend Hugo's car, as long as I follow his car, I'll get there. But what you need to know about me is, I'm not good with cars. So if you ask me what car I drive, you know, I'm not going to give you the model. I'm not going to give you the brand because they mean nothing to me. So if you ask me what car I drive, I will say a blue one. (laughs) And what also you need to know about me is I'm easily distracted. I, I easily let my mind wander away. And without any further suspense, we go on a journey. And what happened was I was distracted by what, Dexter? By the lights. And it's not like I've seen haven't seen street lights before, but I was distracted by the street lights. I'm like, oh, it's so bright. <laughs> and I'm following my friend Hugo's silver car. And then it dawned on me. I've been driving for three hours now. <laughs> That's not Hugo's silver car. I followed the wrong car. I was lost for three hours and I was just like, I had to stop at the petrol station, fill up because my car ran out of fuel and it was it was just horrible. And I remember back to that time in my time of wondering and wandering. When I was lost, I was asking myself again and again, where am I? How did I get here? This isn't the Gold Coast. What is this place? It's so dark. Why did I keep driving? Should I stop and ask for help? Like, why did I? This isn't the place I'm meant to be. Now, interestingly enough, Paul's final words to Timothy, he warns Timothy, because this is what we do. We're prone to do this spiritually. We're prone to be where we don't intend to be spiritually. We're prone to deviate. We're prone to swerve. Even though it's a little bit before, you know it, you're somewhere you didn't want to be. Maybe professionally, relationally, in your career, you're in a, in a bad situation, and you're just asking God, God, how did I get here? I didn't, I didn't want any of this. Notice how Paul warns Timothy. He's Timothy. What you need to know about him, he's a preacher. He's a pastor, but he's not exempt from this. Also notice in verse 21, Paul doesn't say many have professed this and have left the faith or, or they abandoned the faith. No, he says they have swerved from the faith. It's not like many of us go when we, we wake up one day and we say to God, God, I'm sick and tired of you. I'm going to leave you now. No, many of us don't do that. But the language here is, is more subtle in nature. How often do we get so far away relationally from God? It's not because we took a turn. No, no. It's, it's that slight deviation. It's that slight little error that makes us go so far away from God. So, for example, let's say from Perth, you want to go to New York, okay, where the Brooklyn 99 9 cast are. Is it New York? Yeah, it is New York. (laughs) Now, you hop on that plane, and that pilot is only one degree off from his course. You think you'll get there? No. You'll be so far away in the sea somewhere, and you could probably die. But often, it's not that we just quit the faith. No, no. It's often that slight deviation, that 00.1 degree off that we end up in a place where we say, how did this happen? How did this happen? My, my old blue car, my first car, when I first started driving, I didn't know when I drove it, it always, for some reason, tend to swerve to the right. And I thought it was normal. And I just had to keep my hand on it. If I let it go, I would go in the ditch somewhere on the other lane. So I always had my hand on it. And I thought it was normal. And I drove like that for a year. And then my dad finally borrowed my car for a day and he came back and he, and he said to me, Dexter, your car's retarded. And I'm like, you take, you take that back, dad. You take that back. I love my car. So what happened was we got Angel, that was, that was my car's name, to the mechanic. And the problem was, the will weren't aligned. Hence the reason why I kept swerving to the right. I need to get my wheels aligned so it would make my car go straight again. Do you tend to swerve spiritually? Maybe tonight you need to tend to your spiritual wheels to make it align. And here, Paul tells us the secret on how to do that, how to align with God's will for you. Now, I find it interesting because the first part of Timothy, this is his first letter to Timothy. He's thinking into his last, but his climatic conclusion. Notice how he says, and he starts off with, Oh, Timothy, this is like a father to son. And he says, God the deposit, son. God it. The word guard here, it's not checking it once in a while, like you call your mate and check up, hey, everything all right? Like It's, it's not like that. This word God has a connotation of you're obsessing over it. You keep keeping watch over it. You become very protective over it. Now, I've been a father for four weeks and a half. I got big bags, man. She was a monster last night. And I was so sleepy. I'm still so sleepy. What happened when I first met my baby Ariel. When she first came out of the mother's room and when the doctors lifted her up, these were my reactions. Ah! (laughs) The first thing I did was scream. I'm like, ah! I didn't know babies come out so bloody. I'm like, oh. And I... And I thought, Ariel was a boy. But it was the umbilical cord. (laughs) (laughs) So I cut it, and the moment I held this little pebble in my arms, something overwhelmed me. There was this fatherly instinct. There was this protective nature that came over me. This is a true story, and these are the very words I said to her. Daddy's going to love you. Daddy's going to protect you. Daddy's going to let nothing happen to you, and Daddy's going to keep all the boys away from you. (laughs) That's what I said to her. Church. You guard the deposit like how you would guard your little precious ones. Or even more so. Because Paul is saying, the deposit, guard it. Don't check in on it once in a while or, or from time to time. No, no, no. You orientate your life around this deposit. You be protective over it. Now, who's watched the World Cup this year? I was a fan I know a lot of you came to watch it with me, and we actually got complaint by the neighbors because we made so much noise in here. It was really fun. Um, so if you're listening online, Oikos Church is a fun church. You should come and watch the World Cup with us next year, or the Grand Finals, or, or any sports. We'll, we'll watch it with you if you're hearing online. So let's watch some of the best saves this year. So, AV guy, can I have a... Just let's watch 30 seconds of that. Now, let's stop there. Now, what these soccer goalies do is that they will put their body on the line. See the last one, the last guy, he, he jumped so far and he stretched out so far just to protect the ball from going into the net. And he could have slammed his hand on the pole. But these goalies, they put their body on the lines to guard the goals. Hands, they'll use their hands, they'll use their feet, they'll use their face, and they'll use their nether regions if they have to. They put their bodies on the line to guard their goals. Now, church, you guard the deposit like that. You put everything on the line. You, you stretch out your arms. You, we, we guard the deposit like that. Now, that begs us the question, what is the deposit? Why is the deposit so important to God? Now, Paul, nearing the end of his life, in the end of his letter, he says, God, the deposit. He goes on to say, basically, if you don't, you'll give into a way of thinking and you'll give into a way of living where you will deviate, where you will swerve, where you will wander away, and you will be very far away from your Almighty God if you don't. So, what is the deposit? Now, nearly all scholars and theologians would agree, and I agree with them, is that the deposit is essentially the gospel. It is the ultimate thing that transforms Paul's life, made him go from Saul the thug to Paul the apostle, made him go from villain to Batman, and he chose Timothy as his Robin. The gospel It is the good news. It is the truth. It is the word of God. It is Jesus. Keep guard of the gospel. Make your life about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Don't simplify it. Don't complicate it. Keep it for what it is. Orientate your living, your serving, your loving around Jesus. If you keep it about him, you won't swerve. You won't wander. You won't be far away from God. You'll actually be very close to God. Guard the deposit. In other words, guard the gospel. Now, I've been in conversation with people throughout my years of ministry as a pastor. And there are people complaining about their church. Not, Not Oikos Church. They're complaining about their other church. And they're like, they're saying to me, oh man, my church is so bad. I'm like, what's so bad about it? And they say, oh, I just feel so lonely. And I ask them, okay, so what is a good church to you then? And then they tell me, a good church has to have good fellowship. And I'm thinking, yeah, fellowship is good. But that isn't the most important thing. Because to be honest with you, church, you can find fellowship at the clubs, where they'll drown your sorrows away. Now, when I was in high school, still in high school, year 12, I went to the clubs. The chess club. <laughs> <laughs> I went there casually. I just wanted to make myself a little bit gangster. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I admit it. Now, fellowship isn't the most important thing for a church because you can find it at a cyclist job. You go to uni, you can join a guild, and you find a community there. You can find fellowship and community in a lot of other places. So fellowship isn't the most important thing. So what is a good church to you? Now, I'll tell you a few of the popular answers. People tell me, oh, it's the parking space. It's the seats or the pews that you sit on. They'll walk into a church and... uh, They'll think it's a good church by determining the stage. If there's a pulpit, if there's no pulpit, if there's lights, if there's a smoke machine, how good the music is. Some people think a good church has to have a good preacher or how old or how young the preacher is. And, oh, that's my baby. I got distracted. But here's the most popular answer for what do you think a good church is? And it's simply, when they tell me, it's when there's nice, good-looking boys and good-looking girls. Now, according to that standard, man, I church, you are killing it. <laughs> killing it. I look down, and you guys are so handsome, you guys are so pretty, you guys are aesthetically pleasing. It's killing that. If it's that, but it's not, Sorry. There's really only one basic essential thing when you look for a, in a good church. A good church is centered around the good news. Got that? A good church is centered around the good news. How they handle the truth of the Bible what they believe about the word of god and who this who who jesus is that's the bottom line are they devoted out in living out this gospel that determines a good church oikos we are the guardians of the deposit guardians of the deposit now i stole that title what inspired me was a marvel movie called Guardians of the Galaxy. In that team, there was a human that dances. There was a green chick. There was a blue dude. There was a raccoon and a tree. Now that is a motley crew. That is an odd bunch. And who's in our team church? Anybody. Anybody. Any walks of life, any race, any age, any gender. It doesn't matter what kind of backstory you have because God has given you a second chance to join His team, to become guardians of the deposit. (laughs) This place is a home for all. And you are all invited to join this team because the church primarily is the safe that keeps the truth and the voice that proclaims it. Guard the deposit. Now let's watch Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketballers alive. He's still alive. Yeah, he's alive. (laughs) Watch him. Not in my house. I, I think he was a little upset that there was a foul call that last shot at Looked like our test got it. On the rip, the jury comes out of nowhere, gets a running start, and just flies, catches it with both hands, spins it on the board, and brings it down. That is a remarkable play. Okay, that's enough. Guard the deposit. Like Mike, that's a saying. Be like Mike in guarding the deposit like that. There's a saying in basketball when you, you reject someone, and if your team trash talks, they will say, not in my house. That's a basketball term. Now, as a church... When there is heresy, when there is evil thinking, when there is worldly desires and ideologies and philosophies, and 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 they want to corrupt our Bible and they want to corrupt our theology, what we believe about the Son of God, that he's not just a prophet, that he's not just no, he is the Son of God, he is God, he is our Savior. Now, when anything else comes along and, and tries to offer us, hey. You can earn your salvation through works and works alone. You, you don't need to just, just Jesus alone. No, no. What we say as a church is not in my house, not in our house, not in God's house. I would not let that happen. And I hope you won't let that happen. Also, guarding the truth is not just a matter about right interpretation, but it's also a matter of right living. Got that? Guarding the truth, guarding this deposit, this gospel is not just a matter of right interpretation, but a matter of right living. And this is serious because I see and I hear stories of martyrs being persecuted, being executed, having a gun pointed to their head, having a sword to their necks, and they will pay the price for the name of Jesus. They they are guarding this deposit. But yet we have Christians here in the West saying that they're Christians. But there is no evidence in their life. That statement does not hold up in court because there is no fruit that is shown. One day, me and my two best friends, we went to Sydney just for holiday. And and as boys, we got hungry. And out in the distant horizon we saw a big billboard sign saying Sydney's best dim sims. And we're like, whoa, oh, wow. Sydney's best dim sims. And we're trying to do the mass, trying to oh, work it out, the, the hype and perpendicular. I don't know. <laughs> it's around three kilometers. Oh, that's a bit far. But it's Sydney's best dim sims. Let's go, man. And we went. And we walked, and it took a long time. And when we got to that place, Sydney's best dim sims, what we saw was a huge, huge sign and billboard, but a small store. And we walked into that store, and the dim sims, they were frozen. (laughs) Sydney's best dim sims, I don't think so. That was false advertisement. That place had a big... Advertisement board, but did not deliver. We as a church are the embodiment of Him. We are signs that are meant to point to Him. And yet, if they come to us, but yet they don't see Jesus in our lives, that's false advertisement. We say this is a home for all, but if we don't welcome people, then that's false advertisement. No, no, we must deliver. That's what guardians of the deposits do. And if you profess you are a Christian, and if you say you believe in the gospel, and if you believe in the Bible, and you wave this Bible around, but yet you live a life in, in violation of everything that this book has to say, then you've got to question yourself. Because what you are doing is you are mocking God, and you are deviating. God... The deposit. Also, when Paul says this, it sounds a lot like money terms, doesn't it? Like he's using money terms. Because if you read a few verses before, yes, he's talking about money. But why is he using money terms? He's using money terms to help us understand something deeper. Now, if you were thinking bank deposit, you are on the right track. Because the Greek word for this deposit, it also has a connotation of money, of wealth. It speaks of a considerable sum. Wealth. Guard the treasure. With treasures, or with your iPhone, you don't just, or whatever valuable things you have. Rolex, if you're bowling, I don't know what you have. You don't just leave it on the table when you walk away, like in, in public. No, no. You don't because you know with the moment you turn around that Rolex is gone. Or that Yeezy's is gone. I don't know what's if it's a treasure, you got it. You if it's a very valuable treasure, a priceless treasure, you bring some lasers into the room. You will hire some armed guards, you will protect it with your life. God, this wealth. Now Paul is trying to frame for Timothy the definition of wealth. How he sees money because money has to be seen through the lens of the gospel, which is the ultimate wealth. Why is the gospel true wealth? Because money cannot buy you a peaceful soul, money cannot buy you a saved soul, a prosperous soul, money cannot do that, it cannot give you a fulfilled soul. So Paul says, Guard the greatest treasure that has been given to you. Guard it, son. Because if you have the gospel, you don't need more wealth. You don't need more health. What I'm not trying to give you is the prosperity gospel. Now, if you just put the word prosperity in front of the gospel, it's it's just you made it bad already. What I'm here to tell you is that the gospel in itself already, by itself, is true prosperity, is true wealth. Because you don't need more. Why? Because the gospel is exactly what you need. It is sufficient. It is enough. You don't need more because you have everything you ever needed. You have Jesus. And Jesus is enough. He is enough. The gospel is plenty. It's plenty. If you think that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is entry Christianity, like Christianity 101, then you're already on thin ice. You're already on thin ice. Because everything that we believe as Christian hinges around Jesus. You might be wondering why, Dexter, every time you come up and preach... Any story in the Bible, you always related back to Jesus and how he died. And was like, why do you always do that? We kind of worked you out. You could, you're kind of boring like that. Why, why don't why you, you talk more purely about prayer? Or why don't you talk about marriage? Or why don't you talk about the end times? Now, let me tell you what I'm doing. What I believe. If I, as your pastor, am faithful to preach the gospel to you and this gospel soaks and takes hold of your life, this gospel will automatically improve your prayer life. Why? Because if you understand the gospel, you understand, hey, I have a good father. I have such a good father who did not withhold the son from me. So I can ask him for anything. If I'm going to ask for bread, he's not going to give me stone. If I'm going to ask for a fish, he's not going to give me a scorpion. I have a good dad and I can ask him for anything. It will improve your prayer life if, you, if the gospel gets a hold of you. It will also improve your marriage. If you really believe in this gospel, you will understand that Christ died for his bride and automatically as a husband, you would take charge and you would be more sacrificial to your wives. And about the end times, let me tell you something about the end times. I don't know anything much about the end times because I can't give you a specific date. And if anyone claims that they can tell you the date, well, I'll tell you now they're lying. They don't have a clue. Even the son doesn't know the time when he's going to come back. But what I do know, what I do know is knowing the exact date will not save you. But what I do know is knowing exactly what Christ has done for you, that alone will save you on the day when he comes back. That alone will save you. Church, guard the deposit. Because if you do so, it guards you. If you guard it, it guards you. Oh, what do I mean? The gospel. The person of the gospel is Jesus. Jesus is the gospel personified. The gospel put on skin, bones and flesh and he walked amongst us. Jesus is the person of the gospel. The gospel is living. The gospel loved. The gospel came to serve. The gospel did miracles. The gospel came to those who needed him most. The gospel was protective. When they were about to stone this lady, the gospel stood out. When we were about to suffer the wrath of God, the gospel was hung on the cross and He absorbed the wrath of God for us in our place. The gospel was what brought us back to God. We didn't deviate. We, we fully rebelled against God. We fully turned away from Him. We were far and we were lost but it was the gospel, it was Jesus Christ who came and he took us and he brought us back on the right track. And the gospel keeps watch over us because the gospel loves us. And the gospel will never lose us. Jesus says, those who my father has given me, I have lost none, not even one, not ever. I will not lose any of you. What more can I say? Death, life, angels, demons, powers, principalities, all of creation, nothing can separate you from my love. That's what Jesus does for you. This gospel is a person. This gospel is personal. It's not just what you know, is who you know. Do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Is he just knowledge to you or to you, he's your reality? Church, God, the deposit. God bless you, Church.